Rebecca, how are you, ma'am? She's frozen. What's that song, Frozen? What's the big song that everyone hates? Let it go. Let, let it, go, it go. Let it go. <laughs> Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Necro. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Pressers. Meet the Pressers is a safe place for trigger pressers to, to fellowship and congregate and talk about guns, gear, gadgets, and political activism. And today, we have a, a, a bunch of special guests. Matt, why don't you go ahead and tell us what this show is about? Well, we've got a Second Amendment rally coming up, and due to COVID, obviously, it's been pushed online, and the viewers can watch all of these great guests and many others, and there is our friend Rob Pincus, we'll bring him in, and uh, listen to what these people have to say from all different walks of life, all different types of uh, thought processes, but one thing that unite us is guns and the Second Amendment, and being able to defend yourself against bad guys and a tyrannical government. Yeah, we not only need to uh, protect ourselves from criminals, but we need to protect ourselves from those gun-grabbing elected officials as well. So Rob's on the show. Is Rob here? He's here. He just jumped in? He did. All right, cool. Hey, Rob, while, while you're here, and thanks for coming on, we just want you to quickly just kind of set up. Just give me like the 15,000-foot view of where the Second Amendment rally started last year and then kind of the genesis, how it became virtual this year. Yeah, so cool. Appreciate you guys doing this. I'm glad to see a bunch of the, the speakers and another committee member on here uh, with the organizers, Chris, with us. Uh, I just wanted to pop in. I got to catch a flight headed back to the Western headquarters in Colorado. But uh, yeah, the history was around August of last year, a group of people uh, got together, uh, very interested in making a showing of diverse thought around protecting uh, the, the Second Amendment and the rights that the Second Amendment protects. And I think it's really important to remember that, you know, that there are these, these rights that we have as humans, I think, and one of those rights is, is the right to personal defense and our safety and security and defense of oneself, things that uh, one cares about, including one's family. And the Second Amendment explicitly protects our right to keep and bear arms so that we can protect ourselves, so we can protect even our country and certainly our communities and our families. And celebrating that and defending that is really what the Second Amendment rally has become about. Uh, the idea was to get a group of people together in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Capitol and really let people hear from gun owners and gun rights advocates and people that were involved in the gun community at, at all levels and in a lot of different ways 
that weren't uh, sort of the, the, the same cliched, you know, packaged speeches. It wasn't the same talking points. It wasn't the same, you know, maybe preaching to the choir or just, you know, bantering back and forth with people with opposing views. We wanted, you know, real thought and real consideration uh, from the gun community to be represented. And I think that's what we got, uh, you know, very quickly. We, uh, within about two and a half months from when we applied from the permit, we ended up on the U.S. Capitol grounds on November 2nd with 30 speakers uh, from virtually every a possible thought place under the Second Amendment. There were people there that um, disagreed with each other. There were people there that nobody in the gun community ever really heard from before. There were people there who were recognized leaders and have been leaders in the gun community for a long time. Uh, and, and again, I think it's really important to point out the thought diversity. It just so happens that when you take a picture of those 30 people, there was a lot of superficial, you know, sort of, you know, gender, race, demographic, background, diversity as well um, certainly interest diversity in terms of what people are into when it comes to guns or what people prioritize when it comes to gun rights but the uh the thought process i think is incredibly important and that's what we're recreating this year last year the the organizing committee decided you know it was going to be a one-time thing we were going to show that it could be done Hopefully uh, that would inspire other people to have rallies. You know, I got a lot of feedback from some of the old guard, let's say the, the traditional leadership of the firearms community saying, you know, we don't do rallies, especially in Washington, DC, like this isn't gonna work. It's potentially gonna embarrass us. So many things could go wrong. We ended up being uh, a little bit ahead of schedule with 30 speakers on a beautiful weather day. And uh, that really inspired a lot of us to say, we need to do this again. Um, so yeah, we did, we purged the email list. We shut down the website. We, we disbanded the committee and then restarted it. Um, and, and Chris Chang is one of the people that's here with us today. He's going to be, uh, he's, he's been on the organizing committee. Some of the other public facing side of the uh, organizing committee, uh, Cheryl Todd and Diana Muller, uh, and the four of us will be hosting a live broadcast on October 24th this year of the virtual rally. So we'll have another 30 speakers. Um, obviously, we've got a whole bunch of people here on the podcast with you today. They're going to be talking about sort of their view, why the rally is important to them. Um, they are four of the other 25 uh, speakers that will be, well, no, actually, we've got you too, Clint. So we've got, we've got five of the other 20 uh four speakers, uh, the other 24 speakers that, that we're all representing, right? Uh, this year's virtual rally came about because there was a specific change in the regulations or the restrictions around our permits at the Capitol grounds. Mm -hmm. And I want to be really clear, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to try to pop on here today, that people think, I think maybe oversimplistically about some of this stuff when you haven't done it, when you haven't been on the organizing committee, when you haven't been part of putting something together like this or even participating in something like this. It, it, it is true that from where we are on the Capitol grounds or where we were supposed to be, theoretically, you can go about 100 yards and be on what's considered the Capitol Mall and be under a different set of rules and regulations. However, the idea of going to our, our vendor for the soundstage and, and the electricity issues and the permitting issues, because we would have to apply for a new permit, making sure we had enough space for what we wanted to do. And then obviously we're rolling the dice that the Capitol Mall won't be under exactly the same kind of restrictions by the time October 24th comes around that the Capitol grounds, which are under the DC police, as opposed to the park police over on the mall, uh, they could be under the same restrictions. Um, we've seen civil unrest in a lot of cities, including uh, Washington, DC. And it, and it just really didn't make any sense for us to continue to try to put effort and work into jumping through hoops to try to put something on just to say we fought the man, you know, or we fought these restrictions on our right to assemble around the US Capitol. Ultimately, go back to where I started, we are 
here to talk about the rights that are protected by the Second Amendment and to turn this into a First Amendment protest really doesn't make any sense. So, so investing all that time, effort, energy to worry about the restrictions and worry about being there in Washington, D.C. this year, I really felt like the committee hashed out every possible option from showing up anyway and, and not worrying about the permit restrictions, encouraging others to violate the permit uh, restrictions as well, to canceling the event. Uh, where we landed, I think, was a really good place. I think that we landed in a, a perfect spot as far as the, the opportunity to share these diverse thoughts and perspectives on the ce celebrating and defending the Second Amendment with as many people as possible there's an argument that more people will see it because everybody's going to be sitting in front of their screen, able to hit share, able to screen capture, able to do watch parties on social media. They are the thousands of people that would have been in DC now become share points for all of these videos and the live broadcast on October 24th. So that's really important, really cool. Um, I wish we were going to be there in person. I believe we'll be there in person in 2021. But this year, the virtual rally will go forward and, again, will be as impactful as the gun community wants it to be. Because not only are we trying to inspire uh, advocacy and grassroots activity inside of the gun community, but we're also providing some messaging and some words and some talking points and some perspectives that can be shared all around Earth. Something that we wouldn't be able to do necessarily in person would be to get that new casual gun owner, that person that just bought the firearm. Is that person going to jump in an airplane and come down to to uh, Washington D.C. to take part? Maybe not, but they might be much more likely to dial in and and log in to see the the rally and get those other perspectives. So I think we have a huge opportunity here to reach people that we probably wouldn't be able to reach if it were in person. Totally agree. Yeah. And I don't and I don't want to I don't want to pretend for any moment that. People couldn't have shared the videos anyway, right? Hundreds of thousands of people saw the videos from last year. The videos could have been shared anyway. So let's not pretend that we have an opportunity we didn't have. Here's, here's what I think, again, is unique, is now the people that are most interested in it will literally be sitting next to the share button. They'll be watching the video. They can click like, they can make comments, they can tag other people to bring them in to watch. They can post that into discussion groups, maybe anti-gun or pro-gun control discussion groups. They can post the videos they're watching across all the social media. They can post the links to the live streams that are gonna be on websites. There's just this power that comes with that. And, and what I think is really happening here ultimately is last year we had as perfect a first time live in-person event as we could have. This year, I believe we're gonna have an amazing virtual event. 2021 is gonna be the best of both worlds because we will have learned a lot of important lessons about how to stream and how to capitalize on the virtual audience. We already know how to capitalize on the in-person audience and, and we're learning and getting better and we're just gonna keep going forward. So that, that's what I'm most excited about. You've got a, an incredible collection of people here that are, that are gonna give you their thoughts. Um, I gotta run and catch a plane, but uh, I really appreciate you guys hosting this and, and obviously all of our speakers and fellow committee member, uh, Chris here being uh, part of this as well and sharing their thoughts. Awesome well, thank you for you your dedication. In. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Well, Matt, the show is yours again. Now Rob's gone. You can have your show back. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, why don't we start with you, Clint? Why don't you uh, give a little uh, introduction about yourself for anybody here that doesn't know and any, obviously any of the viewers and then talk about what you're going to be doing at the rally, what you're going to be talking about at the rally and, and what you think you bring to the rally that maybe other people don't. Well, cool. I mean, you know, most of, most of our viewers know me from watching the show, but I come into firearms as an educator. That's my job. That's what I do for a living. I empower and educate my fellow citizens to exercise their Second Amendment rights so that they 
won't be victimized or, or if they are victimized, they have the means to defend themselves against an attacker. But one of the things I kind of fell into doing was in the political activism side of things here in Pennsylvania, I very quickly learned by working with various organizations here in the Commonwealth that not only do we have to protect ourselves from criminals, but we have to protect ourselves from elected officials. You know, I always kind of joke and say that gun safes don't keep your guns safe from elected officials. And so getting into the, the organizations that go and speak to and try to educate elected officials, uh, try to uh, educate them on how guns work, on how the laws work, you'd be surprised how many elected officials aren't really clear on what the laws mean or what laws that we have. Uh, building relationships with uh, elected officials here in the Commonwealth has really kind of shifted my focus to uh, educating people on these folks make laws. You know, you go to the NRA show or whatever, and people will trip all over themselves to go touch the new SIG or the new Glock or whatever when you go to some type of trade show, but they won't pick up a telephone and speak to their elected official about these laws that these people are looking to pass that could affect their ability to own that firearm. So I really want people to, to vet the candidates. We have an election coming up. We have an excellent opportunity to maybe steer the ship towards the side of liberty. And how we can do that is by voting for elected officials or candidates who will protect and garner our rights to keep and bear, arm, uh, keep and bear arms and protect ourselves and those that they love. This is not a Republican, a Democrat thing. Uh, just because someone has an R next to their name does not mean that they're pro-gun. Uh, Todd Stevens in Pennsylvania is one example. He is a, a terrible candidate when it comes to Second Amendment, and he happens to have an R next to his name. Uh, we have Jim Brewster in Pennsylvania, who's a Democrat, and he's one of the most pro-gun elected officials we have in the Commonwealth. So it's not about D's or R's, but I think people need to educate themselves on where these people stand on this issue and then vote accordingly. Awesome. Very well said. Leo, how are you, sir? Hello, thank you. Thank you so much. I didn't know I was up next. And, you are up uh, next. I'm going by the order of who's on it. my screen. So you, right, are, okay. you are to the so right of me and you're next. My enthusiasm is my doom. So <laughs> that's what happens when you arrive here early. Well, you do have an awesome beard, so, so we got to give you that. Okay, I'll, I'll accept that. that. That's something I'll, talk, I'll take that. That's fine. Uh, Leo Ketsarea, everybody. I've spoken to many of you before through... Uh, through the chat and uh, also through various other mediums. It's a pleasure to be with you again, gentlemen. Uh, it feels like it was just last week. That it's I like yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm relatively new in the, uh, in ter in the um, gun advocate community, predominantly because I have kept uh, on the sidelines due to the type of work that I've done in the past with the federal government and uh, due to being an, uh, an active duty uh, service member in the United States Navy at the moment. Um, so I should say anything uh, that I say is my own opinion and does not reflect the opinions uh, or policies of the Department of Defense or the United States Navy. I have to give that disclaimer every time. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so okay. I I come to this from really it's a, it's a point of view of uh, being a Muslim uh, I've experienced quite a few situations while being in the Navy where people lose their minds when they find out that you're a Muslim that owns guns. And also, I've noticed within the uh, gun community a real lack of um, diversity when it comes to this particular topic. 
Uh, although we're starting to see a lot of great work uh, and more diversity come in with uh, African-Americans are starting to own firearms more now than they have historically. Um, and we've got um, my great friend Yehuda, he's, he's here with us today as well, um, uh, representing uh, the Jewish community and uh, working and advocating within that community to get his community armed. I'm looking at this from the perspective of um, we need to diversify and um, open our arms up a little bit further uh, to uh, different groups, including the Muslim community, uh, because um, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but when when I go to gun shows, I, I notice there's a lot of uh, material and whatnot that would generally be off-putting to people who are Muslim. Um, and it's not it's not the pork either. The pork is fine. You can have <laughs> as much pork as you like. But some of the some of the t-shirts and the and the uh, hats and the and the bumper stickers um, kind of reflect a, an unwelcomeness. Um, so I'd encourage people to, you know, find your find your nearest Muslim friend that might be interested in going shooting and uh, take them along with you. Uh, show them that they're welcome and and have a great time together. I promise it'll be uh, enlightening for them and for you as well. It, it reminds me of how uh, back in back in the day with the concentration camps with the Japanese Americans during the World War, you know that 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 kind of just because they're Japanese and they're Americans, they're a threat to society. And, and I, I think we need as a society and as a, a blended country, we need to step back and, and revisit ourselves and say, you know, we all come from other areas, and just because the color of your skin or where you're from or what faith you are, that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. And we need to really have an inner searching and, and because, you know, I've been caught up in that too, especially after 9-11. I think that was kind of the same, same uh, push or concept because it, that of where the people came from and their faith and their belief uh, that doesn't make you a bad person because of something heinous that they did. Right. And it's a, it's an obligation on uh, the Muslim community as well. And I'm, I'm very critical of the Muslim community for, not being more engaged in in this particular area of um, of their civil rights. These are our civil rights, and we're not going to give them up just because it makes people feel uncomfortable. So the Muslim community needs to be just as active within the gun community and stand up for this right, irrespective of how uncomfortable it makes people. The more uncomfortable, the better. It'll force them to start accepting it. And I think that's an, important for us to do. Yeah, very well said. Hey guys, I'm Ashley Levinsky, firearms historian and former curator of the Cody Firearms Museum. And you can follow me at that lady curator on Instagram. This is Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Sarge, and uh, your background, and then also what you're going to be talking about at the rally. Free Americans of all colors and creeds deserve to feel safe in every community. What ensures this, guys? the second amendment this whole divide we have on our nation you know it's it's screwing everything up i mean like for far too long racism has been tearing our country apart and uh it started with the first blockbuster hollywood movie it was the birth of a nation you know the white knights of the kkk coming to save the nation's white girls from actors wearing blackface like it's it's bs like it's in our dna as a country unfortunately mm. and i'm going to talk about freedom and how we have come together, especially I'm from Minneapolis. My mom was black. Uh, and I'm going to talk about how the beautiful stories of our country and how we've come together after the riots 
there's a lot of people out there that are very passionate about civil rights and gun rights. And it's just really beautiful to see the diversity uh, in what it is. And our country uh, is built on diversity. And people want to say, oh, you're different, you're weird. You know, like people want to like, you know, pick on Muslim people and black people. But like in the end of the day, we are strong because of our differences. And we need to come together on that and all just understand we all have something to learn from. And I was talking to my buddy Scott from Reunite the Fight, who's sitting next to me. Uh, like a lot in the military, we get this experience where we have to figure it out. People of all races, backgrounds, colors, and we have to figure it out. Also, we get to go overseas and we see how tough people of the world have it. Mm-hmm. And we have a certain appreciation when we get back. And like the average American doesn't do that. And if they do, they go to like Cancun or something. It's kind of like America light. Like, you know, like people need to 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 fix this problem like we have to have interactions with people that aren't like us and unfortunately because of that divide in our country and housing laws and all sort of stuff people of different colors don't often live in the same neighborhood but when they do those walls start coming down this has been a really dark process for me i've been working on this speech for the day of the george floyd riots like you said i met all these guys last year at the first 2a rally I call Rob up. I said, Rob, I grew up in that neighborhood. My high school's blocks from there. I own a business a half a mile from there. I coach high school football there. Like you need to put me on, you know, and I feel my coach says I have an opportunity to make this like, and I have the dream speech and I promise you I'm putting every ounce of soul in this. And I don't know if it's going to help, but I just see this divide between, like civil rights people and gun rights people, we have the same, same problems. Yep. And if, if, and I feel like because of my mom and where I grew up and my 15 years in the military, like, and I'm a successful business owner I'm on social media, like the people that want to like come at me, like, Oh, you know, like there's, I am everything they want me to be. And right. I'm going to call them out and it's going to be awesome. f-ing uncomfortable and I want it to be, and people are not going to like me probably, but you know what? I, I'm going to live by my core values. I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. Cool. And my mom's going to be proud. People always want to put me in a box. They're like, Oh, you're, you're not white. You're, you know, but I, I'm, I'm one eighth black. Like people of my one eighth African ancestry couldn't bury people, my white wife till five years before my birth. Like, I'm not, an, I'm not a soldier and I'm not an airman. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican, man. I'm like everything and anything in between. Like, don't put your finger on me because you're going to miss, you know? You're an American, just like the rest and of exactly. us. Exactly. And that's, yep. that's what it is. We're free Americans. Hey, dude, I'm motivated. I'm black cock ready to rock. I'm fired up, dude. If you can't tell, I hope it's coming through the screen. Rebecca, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're going to be talking about at the rally, ma'am. My name's Rebecca Schmoy, and uh, everybody finds me at Rebecca Schmoy, One Million Moms Against Gun Control. I'm a mom. I, it's, I started out with this journey. I'm just a mom. I, like millions of other people, I was sitting in front of my TV watching um, the horror show happen back in December of 2012 when Sandy Hook happened. And shortly after then, a group of other moms started trying to speak for moms, saying that guns were scary and that we need to ban guns and get rid of all the guns. 
I was looking for other moms who were interested in the things I was interested in. I was looking for other moms who understood that the safest place for your kids is with someone who can protect them. Um, I was looking for a group and realized that I'm somebody. I should be doing something. I should be the one involved. It, it could be my voice. And so on my search, I found the group One Million Moms Against Gun Control. And I joined with them shortly after that. Um, I was put in charge of running Kansas because I live in Kansas. And so I was running this uh, affiliation basically between women who are interested in getting into the Second Amendment world, whether it's through training, through safety, through making sure that their kids are being safe, all the way up to making sure that we know who we're electing to represent us and what their agenda is. And if they're not representing us, how do we go about making sure that they do while they're still our representative, they need to hear our voice. And if they choose to not represent us, we need to know the ways of removing them yep. and putting in people who do represent us. Part of that is making sure that people who are not being represented run for office. If you can't find a representative who represents you, you be that representative. Well said. Um, well, on top of that, I've recently joined um, the DC Project. The DC Project, um, some of the other speakers are actually members of that as well. Mm -hmm. And what we're about is women for gun rights. So it's, it's another step. You don't just have to be a mom and concerned about your kids and their training and their rights that you're protecting for their future. All women, all women have the ability to stand up and speak out and say, these are my rights, not because a government gave them to me, not because someone gave me permission, but because I exist. If I exist, I have access to the right to defend my life. Yeah. And trying to get women to understand that it's not a man's world. It's you are a people. I'm a people, you're a people, we are all part of we the people. And as soon as they understand what they have access to and understand how to go about sharing that information with others, then they're, they're amazing at connecting. And so that's what the DC Project does. We connect with those representatives, both on the federal level and now on the state level, to make sure that they see that it's not just the old white guys club, that there are demographics that you would, as an elected representative, you would want to have backing you. Um, we can reach people that they can't reach, whether it's because of what they've said before or what they look like or where they are elected from. We can reach people that are outside of their uh, realm and the more people we reach the more accountable we can hold our representatives hmm. interesting one of the things uh it made me think of when you were saying women and women not getting into the the shooting industry it, it makes me think of 
being a business owner and somebody not backing up their data and it's not a, it's not an important thing in that case or taking uh, computer classes or e even self-defense classes and we start moving into that aspect it's not an important thing until it hits them at home right their computer crashes they lose all their data well oh shoot i should have backed it up now it's a priority right the the business is usually the two things they get rid of is training their employees on the computers and backing up their data because it's not something that's right in their face until it's in their face and self-defense is the same thing with firearms uh you know most moms are focused on being a mom and taking care of their kids educating their kids we homeschool our kids and uh that aspect of you know locking the door setting the alarm having your gun on you pepper spray etc uh, doesn't really hit you until something happens and and that's unfortunate and hopefully people survive from that and and learn but hopefully they 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 see other people's problems and then turn around and say well i don't want that to happen to me that that's really that's the better aspect hopefully nobody ever gets hurt but sometimes that's what brings people to that moment of I got to protect myself because I don't want that happening to me. That person died. That person is in the hospital. That person's forever mentally changed because of what happened to them. Yeah, it's definitely a growing demographic. And the more comfortable we get with our basic uh, safety and the more comfortable we get with operating our equipment and um, our tools, the more comfortable we get with reaching out to our elected representatives. And we all, I mean, everyone needs to be getting more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact is, is that you can ask someone who is vehemently against Second Amendment issues, who are your representatives? And they don't know. You can ask someone who is passionately for their Second Amendment um, protected rights, and they don't know. If you don't know who your representative is, that's half the problem. Right. If they don't know who you are, that's the other half. They can't possibly represent you if they don't know you. Great point. Definitely great point. Great point. Yeah, especially as, as 2A advocates, we need to make sure that those people do know us. Mm -hmm. And even the ones that are anti-gun, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a couple that are very anti-gun in Harrisburg. Every time I'm down there, I visit with them and I sit down and talk. And am I going to sway them over to the side of liberty? I hope to someday, but if not, at least I'm getting them, you know, some more education on the, on the facts. They're getting to build a relationship with me. And some of them will call me and say, Hey, I just heard about this. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? And I think those kind of relationships, those bridges that we build ultimately can be uh, very, very positive. And a lot of times, Clint, those are more important than going in and just burning the house down. Because I know, like you alluded to, they're not going to let you in the door if they think you're a right-wing extremist who just believes in the Second Amendment. And right, they're going to let you in oh, the door sure. if they think you're level-headed. And though you have a different view, I, I, I do the same thing in Albany. They're not. I had seven political appointments last year in June when I went down there and, and met with these political offices. There's no way they're going to let you in if they think you're too extreme. They're there is definitely a time and place for confrontational politics and getting in someone's face, certainly, but we're going to win more people with the honey than we will with the bug spray. And that's coming from you, not the beekeeper. <laughs> well, thank you, Rebecca. Really appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to seeing you at the, the virtual rally. Thank you. Mr. Cheng, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Really excited to be here with uh, such a, a fantastic group of people. <laughs> Leo's up here clapping. <laughs> <laughs> he is a fan. He must have watched you on Top Shot, sir. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. 
Good to see you again. Glad to have you on again. So, uh, so what's new in your life? And obviously, we want you to give a little bit of an intro on yourself, what you're up to, where you come from, and what you're going to be talking about at the rally. My name is Chris Chang, and I am History Channel's Top Shot Season 4 champion. And my journey into Second Amendment advocacy was um, very similar to Rebecca's, actually. And, you know, for me, winning Top Shot happened back in May 2012. And, you know, my background is I'm a self-taught amateur shooter. Uh, I come from Silicon Valley. Tech is my, is my day job. And uh, I ended up quitting my job at Google. And for me, coming into the shooting community was just supposed to be a ton of fun. And don't get me wrong, it has been amazing and a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, seven months into my post-Top Shot win, you know, when Sandy Hook happened, that was a huge inflection point for me, right, where I realized hey, what I'm doing is no longer just funding games, right? The AR-15s that I own are now under direct threat from anti-gunners, from, from anti-gun politicians. And I sat there like, like many millions of Americans who own AR-15s and I'm saying like, well, my guns, my AR-15 is not the problem, right? I am not the problem. And if I don't speak up in defense of our second amendment rights, then my rights are at risk all our gun rights are at risk and it can be very challenging to stand up against anti-gunners who often think that they have the uh, the ethical or the moral high ground mm. right or the stronger emotional argument right and that can be really hard to and, and and to be frank like they have a very strong emotional argument right i mean kids and people are dying right they're, they're getting murdered by criminals and uh, there's this false narrative that somehow gun owners are siding with the criminals with the guns, right? Like, and that's just a completely false narrative. And if we don't speak up, if we don't speak up against gun violence, then sure, right? We, we're letting everybody think what they want to think about us, right? We're, we're the law-abiding gun owners who are not the ones people need to worry about. So, um, yeah, the, for the past eight years, um, you know, sure, I, I definitely... Uh, love shooting for for fun and to uh, you know be a safety ambassador for the firearms community. But uh, Second Amendment advocacy is something that I've really leaned into heavily uh, you know, as well, and, and it's 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 as equal if not you know higher priority uh, for me. Um, and so last year I spoke at the Second Amendment rally, and it's something that I had been hoping for for years. And like Rob mentioned earlier, you know a lot of the sort of old guard. You know, I would always ask, hey, you know, at the NRA show or SHOT show, could we do a parade, right? Like, let's, let's open carry on the streets of, you know, Las Vegas on the Strip or, you know, do some kind of, right, Second Amendment rally on the Strip. And, yeah, yeah. very similar feedback that Rob heard. It's like, no, no, you know, it won't work. It's too risky. But last year was amazing. Um, so I was one of the, uh, you know, 30 speakers last year. And then I'm on the organizing committee. Uh, with with Rob and Cheryl Todd and Diana Muller for this year's virtual rally. And one thing that I'm really excited about for, for my role as a co-MC with them is, you know, for me, I'm representing the LGBT community and the Asian community as well. And, you know, like Sergeant Tim and like Leo mentioned, a big part of the Second Amendment rally, I think, is having these uncomfortable conversations. Right. To, for, for, for me, I want to talk about gay rights and how gay rights and gun rights, for me, they're, they're almost one and the same. 
right? Freedom is freedom. And it doesn't matter like what you think about the LGBT community, but if you are, if you are an American and if you believe in American values, it's about supporting law-abiding citizens' right to protect themselves, to live their life free, right? Free from fear. And I mean, right now, I mean, our country is just such in a terrible place where, I mean, every, every day, right? It's like something, there's something, you know, legitimately kind of frightening to be, to be fearful of. And that's not the way any of us want to live, right? I don't want to live in fear. I don't want anybody else to live in fear. And so the idea of the Second Amendment rally is we need to tell our stories. We need to speak our truth and to say, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gay guy. I'm an Asian I'm a white collar tech guy. This is, this is just who I am. And there's a whole variety of Americans from different walks of life that are here to support freedom. And then specifically, we're here to support our second amendment rights. Um, so, you know, we, we've just got an amazing group of speakers. Uh, I'm really excited for this virtual format. What we're hoping to do is make it more like a telethon type event right back in the day, right? Where you have Right, you have live hosts, and then you intersplice right the the live component with right with speakers who are going to come in and right bring in their perspectives, and then right throw it back right to the host. We're gonna um, we're trying to figure out ways for the live audience to participate. You know, you know, commenting on social media. Right, the MCs will give shoutouts right to, cool. uh, to to viewers. You know, if they have questions, right, we can we can answer questions. So it's almost right, like yeah, to old school it telethon, is. but with a modern virtual internet uh, layer on top of it. So uh, October twenty fourth, yeah, October twenty fourth, right, Saturday. It's it's coming up in a few weeks, and we're just gonna have an amazing time with the virtual two A rally. Well, I'm glad you're a part of it, Chris. I'm glad to have you on the show too. Thank you for having me, Mister Pew Pew Jew. I got into firearms uh, by accident, uh, like kind of like Chris and, and uh, Rebecca, uh, or at least advocacy. Um, when my parents found out that I bought a Glock, they had a Chernobyl meltdown, and it was brutal. They they didn't talk to me. They they were incredibly upset, wow. even though I was married and out of the house. But I had you know the two kids, and having two kids in the home with a firearm is terrifying when you don't know what you're doing and you just buy a gun. Yep. So I, I went to the NRA's website. I wanted to find out what's the best way to educate my children. I found the Eddie Eagle program, which was a great program, which is a great program, but I found it lacking severely in terms of there's a lot more to gun safety than what to do if you find a gun somewhere it's not supposed to be which led me to write my first book called Safety On. That's an introduction to the world of firearms for children. And it really touches on all aspects of gun safety from respect, you know, respecting the firearm, keeping it clean, range rules, finding some, you know, the four cardinal rules, finding a gun somewhere it's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and that led me to people having me on their shows, their podcasts. And, and all of a sudden I became an expert overnight on gun safety, which um, scared the living hell out of me because it's like, no, no, I just wrote a children's book. Doesn't make me an expert, but um, you know, one thing led to another. And, and I started, I was asked to speak at the gun rights policy conference and 
all of a sudden one day I was talking to my a, a friend who is a journalist in the two A world, and he said, "Yeah, man, you're kind of like the pew pew Jew," and you know the Jewish business mind in my my brain went off, and I branded it, and now I've got five books under my belt on firearms. I've got a whole brand of pew pew Jew, and that all turned into not just advocating for the Second Amendment, but as an Orthodox Jew, I now have the ability to reach other Jews around the country and, and, and educate them on their Second Amendment rights and what it means to get involved and what the consequences are if you don't get involved. And as I always say, you know, never again means nothing if you're not willing to do something about it. That's true. That's very well said. You know, pe too many people sit on the sidelines, like I mentioned uh, with Rebecca. You know, if you're if you're not in it, then uh, you you can't complain when the crap hits the fan and you're not prepared for it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And and you're going to be speaking about that there and uh, bringing the pew, yeah. pew, pew pew Jew to the the virtual forum. Yeah, I will. And and like Leo, um, you know, I have to make a disclaimer that because October 24th is a Saturday, it will be my Sabbath. So anyone that does see me speak on uh, at the 2A rally, it will be pre-recorded because obviously I'll be exercising my freedom of religion. So amen. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for coming on. And uh, we look to have uh, look forward to seeing you on the virtual rally. And thanks for being a part of it. Yeah, October twenty fourth, two thousand twenty, coming to a internet device near you. Right. You got it. Right. Thanks for coming on the show, fellas, and lady. Thanks, everybody, and ma'am. Stay safe. There's lots of sponsors that make this show possible, like Mountain Man Medical. Check them out and give them your business. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. The right medical training and gear should be accessible to every American. Mantis. Mantis X helps shooters suck less. Meet the Pressers is sponsored by Next Level Training, Saber Red, Cutting Edge Bullets, the USCCA, ASP, Common Sense Self-Defense, and T1 Ammunition. Meet the Pressers is also generously supported by other fine companies, ranges, and our Patreon members. Thank you. Thanks for watching or listening to our show. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share. Click that little bell thingy so you know when the next episode's uploaded. Support us on Patreon. Come to one of our classes. Host us to come to you and do one of our classes at your location. And until next time, adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers. 